Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 18, Glowing Eyes. Make sure you have listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 7 off Regional at Best. So, today we will jump right in, and this starts off with an instrumental and the laws, the ladas. It's a very contented pace, I would say, that we are getting into. We are set the tone with a very carefree vocal, and I think in general it's just very reminiscent of just kind of a comfortable rhythm that is happening in this narrative. So, getting into verse 1. We all are stranger creatures than when we all started out as kids. Culture forbids. We have romantic fantasies about what dying truly is. Fall off the grid. And we've seen this theme before where, compared to being a child, especially in this album, we are faced with adulthood that is just a lot more skewed than the purity of childhood, and specifically with sin. A lot of what we struggle with is we come into contact with guilt and shame and fear, among a lot of other things that are not of God, but of this world. And so immediately we're set into this scenery where we are just taken out of what is innocent and what is pure and into something that is a lot more dark. And that's followed up with the phrase culture forbids, which is interesting because we know culture in general is a huge influencer of a lot of things, but even just thinking about this dynamic specifically between adulthood and childhood, you kind of generally know just as a cultural topic, you know what kind of stuff is supposedly adult and what is supposedly for kids. And... I mean, especially with what is deemed as for kids, there's a lot of just very negative connotations with being for kids. Like, there's just a lot of assumptions in place. You think of a kid's menu versus a normal menu, you know? Um, And there's a lot of assumptions in place there of what you are and are not supposed to have a palate for as an adult. You see with, hmm, this is close to my heart, as a petite woman, but with clothing stores, what is deemed as a woman versus what is deemed as a child is very alienating if you are a petite woman because depending on your size, a lot of stores don't even deem you a woman, basically. And that is very tragic, just as it is for women who are plus sizes not being included. It's very, very much a cultural, personal fault in a way. Like, it's basically saying, if you're not these certain sizes, well, there's no way you could be a woman because if you're these other sizes, you have to be a child. Like, there's no middle ground here, which is not the reality of how we as humans are created in general, the way that God has wired us. We're not just black and white in all of these ways but you know as he brings up culture forbids culture is what sets everything into stone and culture is what shames us culture is what guilts us culture is what 
makes us have quote-unquote guilty pleasures, which I think is also dumb. Any sort of entertainment. Like, I am very much, like, love what you love and don't shame people for enjoying something. Period. But we just see that all the time where culture is constantly trying to be divisive in one way or another, whether it's adulthood versus childhood, or it's men and women, or it's certain job sectors and industries. There's so many ways that culture is the alienating component to anything that we're going through. And the other crazy thing that, this is probably more controversial, but this is something Tyler talks about multiple times in his discography, I think this being the first one, is versus childhood, adults oftentimes will have romantic fantasies about what dying truly is, fall off the grid. And I think it's interesting that he pairs dying with fall off the grid because when you think of falling off the grid, it's like a very nice, pleasurable sentiment of, oh, like I'm, I'm unhooking myself from technology or like I'm going on vacation or just something pleasant and relaxing to that effect. So to have dying attached to that is very jarring and hopefully unnerving. But I think, I think in some ways there's, there's something to be said there. Somehow for some people, death can seem to be a valid option that, that they can choose. And I know this is a very sensitive topic and something that obviously is a huge factor in the song Neon Gravestones. But there is this weird aura, maybe more so in entertainment than real life, of when someone chooses death as an option, it's almost like they're leaving this legacy. Like there's, there's some sort of positive connotation with that that's very jarring that we should also be very stunned by in in entertainment specifically i mean the first thing that comes to mind is is the show 13 reasons why it's very much just focused on and again i know that is like one show one thing like that's not representative of every situation or scenario with something this grave but in that show. Um, The emphasis seems to be more on some sort of revenge, and so the focus is more on, like, shaming everyone for what happens versus really just looking at, okay, but what literally happened? And I feel like the more important thing with something like that should be, why was this choice made? And what led up to that? And how can we continue to look for those things for other people who are still around and I think that's that's generally the opinion Tyler holds as well like it can be a little scary and obviously very sensitive with these types of things but entertainment like that makes you wonder like is the emphasis really on the correct thing probably not anyway that was a deep huge topic so Let us just sit with that for a minute. Going into the pre-chorus now, Tyler says, We live for the night's decor. It reveals what we dream of. And obviously we know that night is darkness. And so we immediately have this connection to sin. And I think that is very apparent 
in general, I think, just think about my own life. You know, you always, for me anyway, I always feel more comfortable in the dark. Some people hate the dark and are afraid of the dark, but, but like, generally speaking, it's easier to do things in the dark, whether metaphorically or literally. And what I be, what I mean by that is, like, literally, I just think about whenever I would be at a friend's house for a sleepover, it was somehow always so much easier to be vulnerable when the lights were off. (laughs) I don't know why that is, but I mean, the night's decor reveals what we dream of, and in that way, just opening up with very vulnerable dreams and such. But nighttime can also give way to a lot more sinister things, whether that is lust. I mean, honestly, like, thinking of darkness, you can't help but think about, you know, sexual context, just because, I mean, it's true, like, for some people, like, darkness is where that that type of sin comes alive the most, literally. And then also just thinking, I mean, nighttime is, is much more isolating, right? And so it's a lot easier to not have accountability and to fall into temptation, whether that is sexual sin, whether that is stealing. I mean, crimes are always done. Not always done. That is an exaggeration, but crimes are a lot more easily done in the comfort of the nighttime, and there's just something about anonymity because of nighttime that just brings about a lot of ease with which to do things that probably aren't the best and your inhibitions are lowered and maybe you're more tired or maybe you've been drinking or whatever it might be. We live for the night's decor and it reveals the way of the flesh and the ways that we are most weak. Who we are when no one's looking, literally, if it's like 4 (laughs) a.m. I definitely flipped the page too early, and then I was very confused. (laughs) But yeah, ultimately the nighttime allows a lot of things to be hidden. So going into the chorus, I know there's someone at the door, they called for help, of this I'm sure, but do I want to say goodbye to all the glowing eyes? I'm holding on to what I know, and what I know I must let go but I would rather play a song for the eyes to sing along. So we're living in the night's decor, and here comes someone at the door. Whoever could that be? I think it's Jesus. And he calls for help of this, I'm sure, Tyler says. And I mean, it almost reminds me of the Good Samaritan story, the man lying in the road in need of help and people are just passing by and they all know that this person clearly needs help but only the Samaritan stops and I feel like that's very symbolic of Jesus at the same time like who will come and serve me when I'm asking for it um just kind of a test of faith there with him calling for help at the door and us having that knowledge are we going to obey that knowledge or are we going to ignore that knowledge and so we see this tension of him then saying but do I want to say goodbye to all the glowing eyes and again it's 
the comfort of darkness, the comfort of sin, the comfort of the ease with which our flesh was designed for versus spirit. And in the midst of this darkness, we have these glowing eyes. And to me, this can mean a lot of things. It can mean temptation. It can mean demons. It could mean comfort and sin, any number of things. Just the fact that this subject is in this darkness and it's clearly very natural and easy and comfortable to be there and he's also surrounded by glowing eyes and I mean it's always nice to have a little bit of like soft glow in the night so I I feel like that image almost makes where he currently is in that dark setting even more attractive and also knowing that he has this company even if it's evil in the darkness is sort of comforting but in the same breath he says I'm holding on to what I know you know someone's at the door and he says and what I know I must let go he knows where he should be and he knows where he is and he knows what he's supposed to do in light of that then he says but I would rather play a song for the eyes to sing along he would rather create in this darkness that's a lot more comfortable it's a lot more spacious versus the very narrow path of responding to the door. It's obviously a lot more unnatural. It's a lot more uncomfortable. It's a lot more out of our comfort zone. But again, all of this just keeps coming back to the idea that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh would much rather stay in the dark and alongside the glowing eyes, even though we know that eternally there's so much more on the other side of the door we so frequently just get lost in the immediacy and the tunnel vision that is the darkness that we're in so then between the chorus and verse two you get a lot of o's in there and someone is joining tyler singing the o's so in that way it's kind of symbolic of the glowing eyes singing along with him in the darkness going into verse two this is also the same person it says on here it's james truslow i've never heard of him before but maybe you have so both tyler and him start singing verse two and they say we all know somebody who knows somebody who's doing great i know some people who know people who are flying straight but i'll kindly enter into rooms of depression while ceiling fans and idle hands will take my life again we all know somebody who knows somebody who's doing great. And I mean, it reminds me of comparison and how comparison is the thief of joy. We can always hear of someone doing a lot better than us. And in that same way, we can always hear of someone doing worse than us. But that's kind of not as important as what we're actually going through. But I think it's interesting that he chooses to say, we all know somebody who knows somebody. Like, Okay, so, like, supposedly there's people out there who are doing great. Supposedly there are people out there who are flying straight. Like, I don't know them directly. It's, like, just the elusiveness of social media. You know, there's that external image versus the internal reality of what's happening. And sometimes you can just feel lost in the sea of, everyone seems to be doing great except me. But actually, somebody who knows somebody, like... Okay, but actually, it, it just seems like whoever's doing great is just elusively escaping me. <laughs> I don't 
actually know someone who's doing great. It seems it seems like people are doing great, but then when I talk to them, they're not doing great. So is anyone actually doing great, or is this just like an external image? You know, probably just an external image because he ends up saying, "Meanwhile, despite what supposedly is happening for other people, I will kindly enter into rooms of depression." while ceiling fans and idle hands will take my life again. And depression is another perfect way to symbolize the darkness that he's sitting in alongside the sin and the temptation and the evil, um, just layering that mental aspect on top of it. And if your brain's feeling heavy on top of all that, of course it's going to be even more hard to get to that door, to go through that door. And he brings up ceiling fans, which I related back to, you guessed it, the self-titled album and that cover art with the fan. Remember that? So relating back to Aircatcher, the ceiling fan was broken and I explained how to me that meant Jesus overcoming evil because the fan is creating more of an air current, which would make it a lot easier for the, a lot harder excuse me, for the air catcher to do its thing, you know, you remember, I remember, it's kind of still confusing for me to explain that, but it makes sense in my brain, and so with that image, so basically the non-broken ceiling fan would be just like evil and stirring up strife, etc., so again, Basically what I'm trying to say is the ceiling fan image fits with being in the midst of the darkness because it related to darkness before with Aircatcher. Okay, and then also I thought the idle hands was a cool image for the same sort of idea because when you just think about being idle and you kind of like don't have much to do, just twiddling your thumbs <laughs> as one does. I mean, at least speaking for myself. Usually, if I don't have much going on, my brain immediately goes to worry or fear or any other, like, stress or negative thing that's happening rather than anything good. So, basically, we're just in this complete recipe for disaster on top of all the other issues that are already happening in the darkness. So, you know, it's a real, real happy image, right? <laughs> so, we live for the night's decor. It reveals what we dream of, going back into the chorus. And then afterwards, we get to the bridge, and it says, This room is far too dark for us to stay around. Here's the thesis. Redemption's not that far, and darkness is going down. And that's repeated. So, boom, here comes the punches from the sweet light that is Christ. The room is far too dark for us to stay around. We have just explained the billion terrible ingredients that are here. And as comfortable as it is, we, we have this knowledge that it is too dark for us to stay around. And we are designed for something else and for something that is going to bring us a lot more life, even if it is a little more unnatural for the flesh. Redemption's not that far. And darkness is going down. And I love this full, complete, 100% truth. And I love the confidence with which this is sung. And I'm just picturing that 
Instead of focusing on the glowing eyes and the darkness, all of a sudden the focus is on the door and the little slip of light that is creeping through the crack under the door and suddenly the focus is on the door and the light and the ability to to peek through a little bit and see like there is something cool over there and something different and something that I want and this despite being trapped in the thicket of the darkness the sin and all of these earthly sinful patterns that we have it's important that he's now looking up and noticing the light and noticing that redemption in Jesus behind the door is not that far and darkness is going down because he will come through again and even now we are invited towards the door and I also thought this image of the light peeking through the door without the door being fully open was a good echo of 1 Corinthians 13 12 where it says for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face now I know in part then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known and just to think that these slivers of God we experience the slivers of the beauty in his creation are only a sliver of the entire radiance and beauty that is to come when the door is finally fully opened for us. That is powerful and beautiful chef's kiss right there. So yeah, it goes back into the ladas and the chorus and I love how just after that punch of truth and beating back that darkness, now there's just so much more confidence in what is being sung and it just seems like Whereas before, he was kind of sing, playing a song for the eyes to sing along, and in that way, those symbols of evil were singing with him. It seems like after the bridge, there's just this natural picture and even just feeling from the singing that instead of singing with them now, he's singing at them because he has been rooted in this truth that is just completely rooted in truth rather than in any of his fleshly desires and with that power that comes from the strength that only God has that we do not have he's able to sing at the eyes rather than with them and I love how the song ends with the repetition of make them stop it is taking this truth and then calling out to the source of the truth that is God and just exclaiming for his will to be done that he would make all the glowing eyes and all the darkness stop because of the truth of the power that he has and I love that the song ends just make them stop and it's just this like quiet certain final ending that ends so abruptly it's almost as if like oh my gosh did the, did the door just open right when that song ended like just that excitement there of it just sounded so final it just made me feel hopeful like maybe the door like did end up opening at the at the end that would be so cool that's such a cool just cliffhanger to end a song on I really love how he did that because it's like you can make your own conclusion from here that's what all great writers do correct correct speaking for myself I mean I don't mean I'm a great writer I feel like that sounded very self-absorbed and it did not come out how I wanted to but anyway speaking as a writer 
cliffhangers, man. They'll get you. So, this was a short episode, but I really enjoyed all of the imagery that was produced while I was listening to the song, and I I think that might be one of my favorite song endings to date in light of my analysis. So, thank you for tuning in. I know it's been a while, and I really, I say this every time, but I really, really am trying to be more consistent. I think it will be a lot more likely that I would be a lot more consistent now just because of where I'm at with a lot of things. And so I just want to assure you, I have every intention of just continuing to be more consistent. And thank you for your patience and your grace as I do my best. You know, I'm doing my best and that's all I can do. So thank you for continually being on this journey and continually encouraging me. And to anyone who is new, thank you so much for tuning in and for sticking with me. If this is not just your first episode, I it's still crazy to think that people are, more people are listening to me for the first time and wanting to keep listening because for the most part, it's just, it's just little well me. So thank you. It really does. It means a lot that you care about something that has been just all of these things that I think about anyway. And now people are actually like hearing and giving me feedback and support. And yeah, it's just continually amazing to see that people care about these random thoughts in my brain. So thank you. And I hope you feel just as comfortable to do the same because I always love hearing from you guys. And speaking of, as always, I want to hear from you. You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 Pilots story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. Many songs are still available and almost all the music videos are still available. So if you would like to contribute to the analysis we have already covered, like today's, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. Also, I want to note, I know that no one has posted of their own accord in the group and certainly no pressure, do whatever you're comfortable with, but I just want to remind people, feel free to post anything 21 Pilots related or honestly anything scripture related that connects to any of the songs. Um, It does not have to be linear. I will continue to do it linear, but I am always excited and ready for whatever content you guys have to add. Like, I know it has only been me posting, but I just want to encourage you, like, feel free to post. Certainly no pressure, but I'm always excited and willing to hear from you guys, and I want to make sure that everyone can feel comfortable contributing however they would like to. So I just want to encourage you to do that. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at Entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from all of you in whatever channel you choose. And tune in next time for Kitchen Sink. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, Entrench, you're not alone.